Well, welcome to another episode of the Hector Mike Experience, Common Sense in Uncoming World. Um, we've got a lot to talk about today. We've got the latest poll that has come out, which is not very flattering to this administration. It looks as though um, Republicans may have a chance to um, win out big uh, next year if nothing changes. Um, Michael, have we talked a little bit about, about it? Um, I, you know, the thing that I found striking is the the approval number for Joe Biden at showing at about thirty six percent. Yeah, it's you know as as someone once said, you know, the Republicans are looking at next year and they're thinking this could be huge, huge. Um, it, it really is amazing. It's Quinnipiac um, that has the poll out, which is a very reputable firm. It is a very nonpartisan firm. Um, you know, there are other firms that are out there that maybe lean left and lean right, that the numbers are a little bit different. But the numbers basically, you know, are all within the margin of error um, on, on, uh, on the president. And the, the thing that struck me the most, um, when, you, when you delve into numbers uh, in, in politics, you look for a couple of things. Number one is intensity. You know, things that are issues that are in the 50% mark, you know, 50% approve, 40% disapprove. You don't want to run on those issues because there's enough either way that it's not really going to make that much of a difference. So you look at those things are 60, 70% and above. And there are some of those issues that, the, you know, the president is upside down with with, with voters right now. Um, and what was interesting, there was two things that really struck me. Number one, the, what we call the generic ballot which is when you're asked the voter the question, if the election were held today, would you vote for a Republican for Congress or a Democrat for Congress? You don't mention any names. You just, you know, have the party label. And in this survey, um, I think, you know, I, it was like an eight-point difference um, or even greater um, where they, they pick a Republican generic uh, ballot for Congress. And I haven't seen that gap um, that large anytime, really. I mean, even, not to date myself here, um, but even as far back as the landslide sweep of Ronald Reagan in 1980, when you asked that generic ballot, it wasn't that great of a difference um, between Republican and Democrat. So that's a pretty significant thing. I think the other significant thing that came out of the, came out of the survey that I saw was, um, you know, one of the things they said was, um, they also asked the question, you know, I, uh, how, what kind of job are they doing for someone like me? So it's, it's a very personal question. Do you think they're doing a good job for you and your family? And, you know, again, most of the times Republicans are upside down on that. Um, most of the times Democrats aren't because this, quote unquote, supposedly the party of the working party, uh, the working person. But in this case, they were upside down, which, again, I think is reflective of, of how people feel right now. Um, with the way the economy is. Um, you, you saw numbers pretty substantial about people not finding things on grocery shelves. You saw, you know, substantial worry about inflation. You saw substantial worry about um, supply. All of those kinds of things are now starting to take root where it's changing people's behaviors. And when that happens, then you start to see numbers change and you start to see intensity increase because suddenly it's now very personal to them. Uh, and it affects their pocketbook. It doesn't affect their neighbor's pocketbook. It affects their pocketbook. And so that's why I think you see some of these numbers. And, and obviously, you know, they're not good for the president and they're even worse for the vice president right now. 
one one of the things too, Mike, is um, you know to add to add to what you said is when you've got sixty percent that that, uh, that look at the how, that the economy's in the wrong direction, people are going to look at someone to blame. People are going to look at the gas high gas prices, you know, all the stories, and you know, I know we've talked about it, you know, several times about the supply chain and everything else. People are looking for solutions, and they're going to find someone to blame. And in this particular situation, they're finding the president. Right. Well, and and they're finding the president, and and I think what they're looking at is is there any solution to it? But but what's important here is it's reached a tipping point, and the tipping point is be, people's behavior has changed, and and once that happens, it's more than just how they feel; it's how they're acting. And that's a, I think that's a significant thing. They are noticing the lack of things or choices on the uh, on the shelves. They're noticing, you know, as they go shopping, they have less and less in their grocery cart, and more and more that they're showing out of their pocket. Um, and I think that's why you get. Um, and I want to, you know, the number I thought was um, a majority, fifty-four to forty-two, do not think the Democrat Party cares about the needs of and problems of people like that. That right there, that right there, I think is a key one. I think for yeah. folks because in a lot of the polling and focus groups that I've been that I've been in um, over the last you know two decades, you always see the people as they're getting together in these focus groups. It's like, who do you think cares more about the needs exactly. of the poor? Or those, and and it's you know, and and you find the Democrats overwhelmingly are always getting the high marks there. Right, yeah, absolutely right. Republicans usually never get high marks in a generic way. I mean, you know, there'll be Republican candidates that they like or Republican incumbents they like, but just on a strict generic thing, um, usually the you know the Democrats are considered the party of the working people. Um, they're also you know, and and also the the party of the independents. Um, and that's now changed. Um, you see that change. That was the other, there, one of the other things I think that was important in this poll is it really did reaffirm what we all believe to be true, which is that this, is, this country is very polarized. I mean, on the Republican side, uh, on, the, on the president's job approval, it was like 94 to 6. On the Democrat side, his approval was 87 to 9 or something like that. So both both section, segments of the political parties are very polarized one way, but his problem is with independence, and you know I think it was fifty six forty four something in that that vicinity disapprove of the job that he's doing, and that's a significant number because, you know usually you know you get X number of people you know ninety five percent of Republicans are going to vote one way, ninety five percent of Democrats are going to vote their way. And so you fight for that middle. And the reason that they're fighting or losing, I should say, is exactly what you said, which is they're looking to, for someone to blame. You know, I mean, the numbers in this thing were really shocking in the in sense of first thing I saw was they, they asked people, you know, to grade the president on on issues four separate issues. And one of them was climate change. Now, I would think that most people would give the president a very favorable rating on climate change considering you know he shut down the keystone pipeline he's banning offshore drilling and all of this other stuff and you know he sends he goes out to europe and you know basically um overturns all of trump's policies but in the poll it was 41 48 approve disapprove of his his work on climate change coronavirus which you know was really kind of the thing that won him the election 45 approve, 50 disapprove. 
And then you go into the other thing, which is the economy, which is the big thing, again, that's affecting people. It's 34.59. So he's pretty, you know, it's only 11 months into this thing. Um, you know, plenty of time to, to turn the ship around. But in reality, he only has a year to turn the ship around because that's when the next election is coming. And right now, anyway, um, there's, they're going to have to make some, some major course adjustments um, but Mike, because what they're, uh, what they're selling, people aren't buying. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but Mike, on, on this particular thing, do you think maybe the AOCs of the world, the Bernie Sanders, the Elizabeth Warrens are getting too much of play out there in the media? Or, I mean, and, and the reason I ask, because even in this poll, you're, you're seeing that a, a good number of Americans believe that the Democratic Party has gone too far to the left. Yeah. And when you've got this 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 idea, and we've talked about you know math being racist, bridges and roadways being racist, you've got this woke society, you've got these um, you know this institution of pronouns that now that you know places need to use. You've got you've got all these things that are moving in there. You know, at the same time, you've got this movement of defund the police. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you've got a good portion of independents believing that the Democratic Party's moved over too far to the left. You're, you're seeing all the high gas prices now, you know, once again, you're looking at the person who's there and you're finding someone to blame. Well, it, here's the bottom line. They can come up with any excuse that they want. Um, you know, they, they can say this is the result of the economy reopening because of the pandemic. They can say, you know, you're 11 months into it. So it's kind of tough in any political job to keep blaming the last administration 11 months into your administration. First three or four months, you know, whether you're in city council or president of the United States, everybody blames the people that were there before them. A little bit different now. They got to they gotta fix things. I mean, more than half the people are not finding what they want in the grocery store, according to the poll. 50% are not finding consumer goods that they want. 52% um, are experiencing long delays and delivery times of items that they purchase. So, you know, people are used to getting, you know, choices. They're used to getting things when they want them. Um, and it's not happening. And they've got to figure out how to fix that. All of this, by the way, you know, I mean, let's, let's be honest here. The Biden administration had a big win last week with the infrastructure bill. A lot of people didn't think it would pass. You know, so they passed the infrastructure bill. But this, what's striking to me is there's no bounce to it. You know, ordinarily when an administration gets gets a major piece of legislation passed, especially one that, that was so difficult to get through, you usually get a decent bounce on it. And they've gotten absolutely no bounce on it whatsoever. So, <clears throat> you know, they've got, a, they've got a lot of work in front of them and they have a short amount of time to do it. Um, because, you know, November 2022 is, is right around the corner. Well, and, and looking at uh, kind of continuing on the subject of... Uh high prices and uh, supply chain and gas prices. You know, yesterday the governor was asked by a couple of reporters what uh, his thought was on the high gas prices that uh, that are being felt by Californians. And so when he was asked about the sky skyrocketing gas prices, here's what Newsom said. And, you know, I quote, Californians have to disenthrall themselves from being victims of petrol politics. I'll repeat it one more time. Californians have to disenthrall themselves from being victims of petrol politics. I mean, See, look, and then hey, one of the quote there. Let me let me just say something about yeah. that, okay? 
that's a pretty significant statement because I think if you add it all up on a Scrabble board, it probably comes out to like 380 points because you got the double words and all this other stuff. I mean, but that's about as far as it go. It's good for a Scrabble board, but you know, I, I love that. I mean, you know, let's send people out to gas stations as they're paying 450, 480 or whatever for their gallon of gas and ask them what petrol politics is. And, you know, I mean, well, basic, I, I, the, sum, the summary is this. He's just saying, screw you. Right. Saying, I was, you, well, you, you were kind. I was going to say F you. Yeah, he's I mean, basically he does, giving you the finger, people, in case you didn't know. <laughs> right. I mean, when he's got it saved, people have got to disenthrall themselves from being victims of petrol politics. He's like, deal with it. Deal with the high gas prices right. because you know what? It's your problem, not mine. And and that's just that just a it's a stupid message that comes out of this governor, especially as folks are, you know, get, I mean, I don't know, it's... He needs another hiatus. He does he, need you know, another you know hiatus. What he needs, you know what he needs to do? He needs he needs to go and spend an hour at a gas station and and listen to people and talk to people at the gas station and ask them how they feel about what's going on with what they're paying. Because he's you know he's not responsible for the five dollars a gallon that people are paying but he's responsible for a portion of that now you know market forces create the price the the base of the price and market forces have been negative up until last year let's not forget america had actually become energy independent from foreign sources well, not, the new administration, anymore. right? The new administration comes in, and they decide that they want to, you know, have a cleaner climate. So they get rid of the pipeline. They get rid of the drilling that's taking place. They put more penalties on companies, and so the the supply shrinks, and we have to go overseas to some of our enemies to get more oil. So the base price is going up, no doubt about it. But, you know, the base price is one thing. It's all the add-ons that happen after the base price that determines what you're paying in each individual state. And, and I think, you know, you correct me if I'm wrong, you're good on numbers stuff. I mean, California, I think, has got one of the highest state and local gas taxes in the country, if not the highest. Yeah, we pay, we pay the highest gas prices. We do have the highest taxes in the nation. Um, several years ago, the California state legislature, and it was signed by the governor, um, it decided that we were going to raise taxes on gas on each gallon of gasoline. Every it would go up every July, with no end date. So every July it goes up automatically. And we've right. already had two or three years of this where we've seen it go up. But it's just you know you could take okay you you could look at the global the global market and say okay well, you know Gavin Newsom doesn't doesn't control the global market or you know Joe Biden doesn't necessarily control the global market, but Words have words have meaning, and their the their words and their actions do contribute to some of this. When you've got President Biden who got rid of the Keystone Pipeline, when you've got Gavin Newsom who's who's now ended and has had a war on oil or you know or fossil fuels, and has ended the the permitting. You know, California used to be one of the major suppliers, our own providers of oil. Now we're number seven, mm -hmm. and so when you do all those things and I granted, I know that, you know, you're, for argument's sake, you've got George Skelton at Los Angeles Times who wrote a piece, don't blame Newsom. Well, he does, he does deserve part of the blame. 
because when you do all the additional add-ons, and I think, Mike, I know we were talking a little earlier, we were kind of going back and forth with some of yeah, the numbers. Let's do some of the numbers here, people, so that so yeah. that they know. I mean, you know, so you get your, your price, like you said, maybe Governor Newsom doesn't affect that market price, that base price, but certainly Joe Biden does. I mean, we know that because a year ago, the base price was a whole lot lower than it is. The, the price per barrel was a whole lot lower than it is. And so, remember, we're, we're paying about $1.27, $1.30 sometimes. Right. Dollar twenty more than on average gasoline than the rest of the nation on average. But, but what do we pay? This is the part that gets me. I mean, sixty-seven dollars and, and, and sixty-seven dollars. Yeah. Well, maybe that'll be what's coming up. Sixty-seven cents, you know, in state gas tax. Eighteen cents more for low carbon. Twenty-three twenty-three cents more uh, for the cap and trade, which is for climate change stuff. Um, 18 cents more for the anti-smog blend that we use in California. So there's a policy decision there that says we want people to pay. First of all, let's take the 67 cents. Okay, so we need 67 cents so that we can pay for roads and bridges and yada, yada, yada. Well, we just passed a $1.2 trillion federal bill for roads, bridges, and tunnels. So, and, and we discussed this before. The governor is going to come out sometime in the next couple, three weeks and talk about how great and how much of a surplus that we have in California. Well, maybe the reason we have a surplus is we're paying for things that we don't need to pay for. So that's that one. But the other one, the other three components I just mentioned that raise our gas prices more are to help the environment. So tell me something, guys. How does having over 100 ships sitting in Long Beach and Los Angeles Harbor in idle with their engines running and the diesel fumes and the carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide emissions help the, help California. I mean, there are stories now about the smell and the, and the, um, and the, the vapor and, and other, the smoke coming onto shore over there. It's just, it's crazy when you think about the fact that on one hand you say, we want a policy that costs more people in this state money to get a gallon of gas because we want to help the environment. But on the other hand, you don't do anything about over 100 freighter ships sitting, you know, five miles off your coast. Well, it, you know, it makes no sense. Well, even the money we, we talk about, the, the one that goes for cap and trade, $500 million of that money for the last several years has gone for to help build the, the high-speed rail. Which is which? Which we've been at it for I don't know the last seven eight years, if not longer. Right. We haven't broken ground. There's, and we don't even know if it's if it's gonna if it's gonna come into fruition or not. It's you know it was supposed to cost about ten billion dollars. Now the price tag is about a hundred billion dollars. It's absurd. Right. And here's my point. You know the governor goes around in his limousine and yada yada yada. He's not going to the pump. He's not going to the pump. You know, the don't legislators get gas cards or something like that? They're not going to the pump. And again, I'm not talking about, when we talked about this before, if you're driving the, you know, $80,000 Mercedes or the $65,000 Jaguar, you know, the, the extra buck 26 that you pay for gas that you, you shouldn't, you know, you don't necessarily have to pay for, that's not going to make a big dent, you know? But for the people that are working, the, the workers in California, the people that have to run errands, take their kids to soccer and baseball, you know, go to go to different meetings, you know, have to go to work every day. 
those are the ones that are hurt by this. Someone should should go and just plop themselves at a gas station in in this state, you know, and ask people, would you prefer to pay a dollar twenty six less than what you're paying? Because here's what you're getting for the extra dollar twenty six. I mean, and I think they would have an eye-opening experience. I think legislators would have an eye-opening experience, and it probably would scare the living bejesus out of them to hear the the how people feel about it. And well, I think I I think there's there needs to be a, a clear understanding for folks. This is what they want to do. They want to they they would they've talked about wanting to see gas prices at eight to ten dollars a gallon. The environmentalists because they feel that that's the only way to get people out of their cars. Right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and that's the policy we have in this state right now. I mean, that's one of the reasons that for all of the blessings that this state has, you have people leaving every single day. And that's why for all of the blessings we have in this state, you know, you have people that can't leave every single day that feel trapped uh, because because of these kinds of policies that are that are happening. So, you know, they it really is amazing to me. And I'm you know, I'm George Skelton would write something like that. Don't blame Gavin Newsom for the gas prices. Hell yeah, you blame Gavin Newsom for the gas prices. You know, and you blame the administration for the gas prices because you know what? The gas prices weren't this way before. It's because of state policies that add on to to, to what has now become a higher price per, per, for crude oil. And, you know, I mean... That's just the way it is. Politics, you know, the elections have consequences. You know, for for people, the consequences were they don't they don't get to see or hear Donald Trump tweet sixteen times a day. Well, I hope that makes you feel better because instead you got to pay, you know, buck two bucks, maybe even more for your gallon of gas. And you know that that's the policy that they're pursuing, and that's the consequences of it. And you know, if people don't stand up and say enough is enough, they're going to continue. And people will continue to vote in the state with their feet. Well, in uh, adding to this, uh, you know, Dan Walters, um, I kind of changing subjects here. Um, and we'll make sure that on the um, in the description, we'll put up the, the governor's quote. We'll put up some of those numbers that you had mentioned in there so people could see. I mean, some people could like, see them. The, um, the and they what could, did he say again? Petropolitics. Uh, the password said, uh, is petropolitics. California Californians have to disenthrall themselves from being victims of petropolitics. That's right. Actually, so, Californians need to dethrall themselves from politicians that screw them over. That's probably a better one. Maybe a yeah, little well, more plain. I still don't know what the hell dethrall, dethrall means. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from uh, Rhode Island. If you go more than four words, we're in trouble. Oh, that's You know, that's a perfect segment into this next topic that we want to go into, which is... Uh, Dan Walters uh, over from CalMatters had a great, uh, had a good story out uh, this morning. And it's it, it's something you and I have talked about. You know, we we look at, um, you know, 30, 40 years ago, or maybe 50, yeah, 30, 40 years ago, the idea of having a high school degree was the thing. Everyone, you know, you needed to graduate from high school. There were several decades before that where if you had a high school degree, great. You know, you, you went and learned a skill set and you went out and worked and so forth. And a high school degree wasn't necessary let alone a college degree. Then it became the high school degree was a minimum. Then it's kind of, we've moved in society. It's, you know, where did you go to college? Mm -hmm. And a high school, a college degree became kind of the, that minimum uh, barrier. And now we've kind of got into, you know, with graduate degrees and so forth. But 
there's a there's a story in the Wall, you know, what Dan Walters writes about, and uh, he points out the story in the Wall Street Journal that looked at the University of Southern California. Um, it went out and hired a for-profit uh, organization to go out and promote its master's program, uh, online master's program in um, let's see here for uh, social for social work, and in that particular program, it was costing about one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. And what they found is that after two years of finishing the program, the average income of the people was about fifty-two thousand um, dollars. They, you know, they also looked at other other particular programs. You know, if you go to Berkeley, which is you know the, the university itself, the the tuition may not be as costly since it's a state school, not a private school like USC. Right. But you've got the the housing and all the other you know all the other things that come with it, which make it pretty pretty expensive. But like a degree in philosophy from Berkeley. After two years of graduating, it comes out to about twenty-one thousand uh, dollars income that people make. Really, and 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 I also find it interesting. I, you know, I've got uh, friends who have been um, who've got kids who are going to Stanford, and that's a very expensive school, and they're looking to go out and be teachers. That you know, once they once they're out, they can make thirty-five, forty grand a year. But you know, you've got a Stanford degree that's going to set you back about one hundred twenty thousand, one hundred thirty thousand dollars. Not just in tuition, but in you know other other expenses that come with it, and it just kind of leads leads us down the line uh, of is it worth it? You know, Good is question. you know what what are what are we doing with the society, especially when you've got right now a pretty big push to try to get people into construction management, um, other types of jobs that manufacturing, you know, yeah, yeah, when, when you could do two years of an apprenticeship or two years. At a community college, and not end up with such high debt, mm-hmm. and it becomes an important discussion. And um, because right now you've got the administration, along with uh, Elizabeth Warren, obviously leading the charge here, to forgive these student loans and basically say you've got this debt. We're gonna, we as the federal government, we're gonna forgive these student loans over for you. <laughs> do they do, do they have a question how to keep your blood pressure down? <laughs> well, no, I, need, I, I need one of those. You know, you're right. What's interesting is I read an article a couple of days ago about, you know, that was done, written by someone in the private sector that does, you know, hiring, you know, one of these firms. And they talked about the fact that it's going in the exact opposite direction right now, where before it used to be, like you said, high school, then the, then the bar was college. And then mostly, you know, for the last few years, the bar has been master's degree in something that's relative to the field that you're applying for. And... You know, what they were saying is because of the way things have changed, it's now going in the other direction. That master's degree bar is now, you know, coming down and that, you know, employers that are looking for people, and there's a lot of them out there, are saying that the master's degree is no longer that requirement. It's nice to have, but it's no longer a requirement. The other thing is exactly what you said, which is a lot of the jobs that are available open out there um, do not require college education. They require some kind of trade or tech and and there are private schools you know I, there's one i remember from my sba days down in san diego that that uh, has a program that teaches um pipe fitting and welding um for veterans that are getting out of getting out of service and it's it's like a few month program and after they're done with the few month program they automatically go into a job that pays like 80 90 grand not bad at all and they can move up from there so there are a lot of options and, and i think you know, one of the things that people need to look at is 
you know, are there, there are more options like that. But, I mean, to get to your point, which you just made, which affects all of us, um, you know, forgiving student loans. Again, I, I put that in the, what are you, crazy category? I mean, people signed the, do- you know, I mean, I signed the document for the mortgage in my house. Well, I don't want to pay it anymore. So why doesn't the government forgive it? I knew what I was signing. I knew the commitment I was making. You know, I didn't, I didn't have any student loans. I worked a couple of jobs to pay to go to school um, while I was going to school. But, you know, it's to me, it's crazy because you look and you say, what about all those people that did it the right way? You know, that either they did, like me, they went to work and they paid for their education, or they got student loans and they paid them off. Now you come in and you say, well, all of you poor people over here, you know, we feel so bad for you because you have these student loans looming over your head that you signed up for. um, And so we're going to forgive you. The government's going to pay for them. I mean, you know, where's the fairness in that? I I don't think there is a fairness. I mean, here here I'm conflicted. I've got, not conflicted really, but I still have about $16,000 in law school debt. And, you know, it's like, do I make my minimum payment, see what happens? But but you're right. The the thing is, we all signed it. I, you know, I'll end up paying my student loans off as I have been. And the thing is that, you know, for a lot of the folks that, are, that have paid off their student loans, um, it's one thing. But also, you know, what I find interesting is, do we, do we also, you know, as a society, I mean, do we need to go to Stanford or do we need to go to USC or one of these other institutions if we're going to go try to become a teacher or do we say hey right. go go be go to cal state where it's cost a lot less the, the education you can you can more better manage that and you don't have to end out you know out of school with a hundred twenty thousand dollar debt you know maybe if you want to go get an engineering degree or some other research-based degree you know you can go to more of these research institutions but it just education is is now become a business and it is a business with a whole lot of costs involved to it. Um, the state of California, for example, and just take uh, our state institutions here, the state of California provides quite a bit of money to our UCs and CSU schools. Students have to pay into paying tuition. There's, you know, if they've got a sports program, obviously there's a lot of sponsorships and everything else that comes with it. But, you know, it's, it's just become a money market. It, it's like it's become a business. Oh, it's totally a business. I mean... There's competition, you know, it's competition. I mean, we see that every day, you know, come to, come to my come to my school. It's got this better program than the other school. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I If, if someone wants to go out and spend $115,000 to get a social, uh, what is it again? A social degree? Uh, it was a social worker master's social, degree. Yeah. Okay. So, if they, you know, if they want to go out and spend $115,000 of their money to... You know, or or take on a hundred fifteen thousand dollar debt to get a social um, a work in a degree in social work, a master's in social work. You know, that's that's their decision to make. It's their life choice to make. But do me a favor, don't come a whining about how you know how poor you are and how you have this debt hanging over your head. I mean, that's the part where you draw the line. If you want to make an individual decision to go to Stanford, amazing school. I mean, you know, obviously one of the best in the country. And you're not getting a scholarship or, you know, you have $600,000 in student debt when you're done and, you know, you end up working in a French bakery, whatever. Um, Don't come whining about it. I mean, that's the decision you made. Own it. 
own it. Don't expect people to come bail you out. That's, that's where I draw the line. You make your own personal decision, that's great. But when you come back and say, oh, I spent $115,000 to go to USC and I got my degree and I didn't get the job I wanted or the job I got only paid you know, twenty-five dollars or $50,000 and I was hoping to get one that would pay $350,000 and poor me, woe is me, as we say in Italian. I don't care. We shouldn't care. That's the decision you made. Find a way to honor and, and, and fulfill your responsibilities. It's your choice. Own it. Well, I That's think with, yeah, and, and, and I agree with you. I think the, uh, what we're going to be by seeing. By the way, right, the, the, my personal financial advice would be pay the minimum and watch what happens. Because <laughs> the way things are going in this country, they probably will forgive it, by the way. I mean, you know, having said everything I just said, I'd pay the minimum and just wait and see what happens. <laughs> well, no, I, you know, I, the, um, and like, granted, you know, you've got the infrastructure infrastructure bill that just that got passed, but now you're beginning to see a lot more details of these other types of programs that the Biden administration is looking to put forth, um, right. you know, and so they've got the next segment of their big bill that they're looking to put out there. And, you know, one of them is a, they think they got child care. They've got a, a bunch of other things kind of mixed into it. Right. It's it's a laundry list of social things that they've wanted to do, um, quite frankly, and this is just my opinion, that make people more and more dependent on government. I mean, that's what they're trying to do. It's part of, you know, the same way you talked a few minutes ago about the fact that they put these policies on, in on energy that raise the gas prices to get people out of the car. It's the same kind of thing. You give away a lot of free things. You make a lot of things available to people for free because it's not coming out of their pocket. It's coming out of someone else's pocket. And it makes people dependent on the government. And I think that's what they're going for. And, you know, at some point in time, I know they're still working on it. I don't know if they're going to pass it this week or, you know, next week. Obviously, they're off for Thanksgiving. But when it passes, you know, it will be a Christmas tree of social spending programs, the likes of which we haven't seen before. And I will tell you, I think that what will happen is it will even more polarize the country than it is now, if that's even possible. And it will leave, you know, people who in that poll we started out talking about that think the Democrat Party has gone too far to the left because of AOC and others will feel that even more strongly. Well, and there's got to be a way to try to, there's going to, someone's going to have to pay for it. Nothing, nothing ever comes free. Um, and so what the other thing I think we could, we could chit chat next time we get together is the different ways that they're looking to pay for it. You know, one of them, which we'll go into further detail next time is, you know, they're looking to find ways to tax, you know, PayPal and, and Venmo. And so right. the way you sending money back and forth over to your friends, they want to figure out a way to tax that. And so yeah. they've come, they've, they've, sent out a couple of trial balloons to see kind of what the general public thinks about it and what's that little thing. But they want to they want to basically have the IRS be able to see all the different transactions that we make. And so, you know, Mike, you and I go to lunch or dinner and I send you money or the next time back and forth. They're 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 looking. They want to they want to look at where that six money transactions come. Six hundred dollars or less. They want to have six hundred dollars or more. They want to have access into right. your bank account. And we'll talk about this next time, but the person who's, who's up for that helps run that policy, the director, the Comptroller General of the United States, is, is a graduate of Moscow State University. And we're not talking about 
the one in Idaho. We're talking about the one over overseas in Russia. Um, there is definitely a socialist liberal bent that's going on here. But more importantly, there's there's one that says uh, a common sense. You know, I mean, people do believe, and the poll shows it, that the the highest earners in this country don't pay their fair share in taxes. There's that belief. That belief continues to hold. But when you create a policy that says you want the allow the IRS to go into your bank account for anything that's $600 or greater, that's when it becomes the kind of thing that says, what are you talking about? Get real. Yeah. You know? I mean, get real. Well, and, so. and, and it goes into the, the this whole notion of, you know, taxing the billionaires more and getting more money from them because, you know, the plight of people, you know, the, the, the large income gap. Look, my... My situation or my parents' situation when they came to this country, you know, whatever, you know, my situation and you know, how I handle my household and everything and live my life, it's not dependent on a billionaire. I don't, you know, they, it's not determined on, on how much money they make. I, I determine, I determine it myself. And I think we've, right. we've gone out of that entire situation of, you know, taking personal responsibilities for your choices, taking personal responsibilities for who you are. You want to go make more money? Then learn another skill set. Learn something else. Right. You know, you don't have to sit around and play your Xbox, you know, for four hours a day, and you don't have to go and you know belong to, you know, a softball league, and then you know go and play, you know, catch up basketball with your friends here, and then you know sit around and watch, you know, ten episodes of Netflix. I mean, just maybe watch two episodes in Netflix somewhere and just, and the rest of the time is learn a new skill set. Figure it out, read a book or something. And that's, right. and I think it's, we've gotten away, and this is kind of what this in, this show has been about a little bit, is we've really gotten away from this idea of personal responsibility and this government um, with with uh, Gavin Newsom and his comments about, you know, to go screw yourself, the the issues with the, with the economy, it's like, it's as though these politicians just don't care and for for a lot of folks, we're just kind of left to try to figure it out. And yeah, prices are going up, and it's getting more expensive. But folks, you've got a choice. You've got a choice on who you elect, who you put. Not and it's not just for president. It's not just for governor. It's your local mayors. It's your city council. It's everything in there. And you've got to take be more active in it. And in, in many ways, that's where it starts. Is at that local level. It's those school boards. It's those city councils. It's those mayors. Um, that's where that's where real things that affect your life and your house and, and everything else takes place. Um, and it is important. And you're right. I mean, what, it's amazing. You know, the the governor basically basically says, you know, screw you um, on the on the gas things. And if people let him do that and get away with it, then then you get the kind of government you deserve. I mean, that's the bottom line that says, you know. You, you don't like paying high gas prices? Stop electing people that give you high gas prices. It's that, it really is that simple. But, you know, they, some people do like being taken care of. I mean, we there is a greater, I think more so certainly than your parents, you know, came from Mexico. My, you know, my grandparents came from Italy. You know, there wasn't that please take care of me government thing. If they needed help, I mean, in my case, if, if my family needed help, they went to other relatives or they went to the church. Um, they never went to government to, to rely on. And we've become more and more of exactly what you said is people more and more 
relying on the government to, to help them out, bail them out, tell them what to do, tell them what not to do. And, you know, that's called loss of freedom. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll touch we'll touch a little bit more on that and also look at the different ways that this uh, administration is looking to pay for the, for their programs and how it's going to hit, you know. It, lottery just, tickets. They're going to do a lot lottery of lottery tickets. tickets. Yeah, lottery <laughs> yeah, tickets. That's, that's it. The secret. They're putting all their money on number three in the third race at Aqueduct. So I make my money. Yeah. <laughs> Insanity, I tell you. But, uh, Mike, it's always a great pleasure to get together with you. We'll get together again this week. Look forward to it. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye.